story side, are you thankful to be in God's presence today? Time of worship. We have a lot of people joining us online today as well. So thankful. I know we've shared that it has grown now uh, on average about 10 countries. People will join watching, watching us online. Of course, all of the people across America uh, that the, you actually consider this your church. And we talk to you weekly, the Dean Andersons and the Marithas and just so many people thankful for technology. Those that are local uh, that are not ready for crowds just yet, thankful for technology in times like this especially, but just a few names. We have Darren Martin, Tammy Andrews, Philip Evans, uh, Valerie. I saw your name on there just a few moments ago. Uh, I know you've been through a lot this week. We're praying for your family, believing that God's going to give you strength. Ray Barr, Jeff Holland, Jason Mullins, the list goes on. Stories out, would you welcome our online family? Let them know how great it is to have them today. I want to give a shout out as well. I want to give a shout out as well. Uh, to all of our student team, as well as some of the staff that's been involved with the tech side of it, that has been uh, here for hours and hours and hours uh, getting ready for our student opening tonight. And there is balloons, and they've got snow cones and food trucks, and they're playing kickball, and uh, they're get, they've have giveaways tonight, and just so many things that's happening. And I'm going to have the opportunity to be preach uh, to be preaching to share with our students tonight for their grand opening. But all of that, the party tonight is only because of all of these people that have been here to my knowledge almost every night, midnight or beyond. And I just wanna publicly say how much I am thankful for all of our student leaders uh, that have given so much to get it ready. And if you have a student, I'm asking that you would get them in the house tonight. It's gonna be a great time and I'm so excited about sharing a message tonight that I've entitled, No More, No More. Uh, I have four children. Uh, my oldest is 21. She helps lead the high school, Brooklyn. My 18-year-old, Jalen. Uh, and then I have a third daughter, Eliana Grace. Uh, and my, my youngest, my boy, Micaiah Solomon. My 18-year-old is at a college visit right now with my wife. I dropped him off at the airport yesterday. And my wife, Angel, and Jalen are at a college visit in Alabama. And they're at several churches today. I think there's 20-some campuses. Of course, the college day's on Tuesday. Uh, so they're down there for a few days. But it reminded me of the joke about the college student that they were asking the college student, you know, with all the classes and the teachers and, you know, the books and just everything that goes into that, what do you think is the most impactful book? What do you think is the most impactful book in your life? And she said, my dad's checkbook. <laughs> That's so true, isn't it, Brooklyn? Um, uh, I'm just, it's a joke. <laughs> That's why they call them jokes. It's a joke. I, uh, I want to share with you today on the subject, many. Can we say that word together? Many. And can we say many more? Can we say it together? Many and many more. Let's pray today. God, I thank you so much for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. I believe this day could change every day for someone. That better is one day in your house, that April 25th, this day, this moment, this time right now could change someone's life forever. So I'm asking you to go to work. I'm asking you to do what I can't do on my own. I pray that your word, your spirit would do something powerful. I pray for our nation today. There's so much going on. And I pray for whether or not it's military and law enforcement. 
right down uh, to that person who's, who's teaching school, trying to juggle students. I pray from youngest to oldest that whether or not it's the divide on social media or politically or anything else, God, even people that are divided on how we should handle things medically, God, I pray that in these conversations and times where people are saying, well, I think this and my thought, my feeling, my opinion, I pray in the middle of all of that, that your Holy Spirit would continue to work, that your light would shine in the darkness. I don't have all the answers. People often ask me, Pastor Micah, what do you think about this? Pastor Micah, and and I don't have all the answers, but God, I'm confident of this. I know you're the answer. I know you're the answer and I know you can help us. And so help us today. Give us this day our daily bread. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I am excited about this message. The last couple of weeks, I feel like it has been Monday or Tuesday, and I am so ready to preach on Sunday that I feel like it's almost like, let's go Wednesday and Thursday. And I just been so stirred as we've talked about relationships and family and friends. And of course, if you scroll social media and you just see so many things happening, it's almost like the heart of a pastor is I need to get people in God's presence. I need to get people in God's presence. There's something about being in the presence of God. And I'm asking you in the next 30 minutes to block out distractions. You know, it's really important in moments like this that we engage, we lean in. It's not just God's word. We have had hours and hours and hours that we'll put into a message and we have 30 minutes to share it with you. And we're praying and hoping that you catch it. But part of our responsibility is that we lean in. Sometimes people will lean in by taking notes or responding, that's right, or wow, or that's good. Sometimes just the engagement helps you to do that. Uh, And online especially, I would say this, that you can get so many things happening. I'm going to grab a coffee. I've got to do this. And then the phone. And you just miss certain things. So I'm asking, give 30 minutes to God. Give 30 minutes to God. I'm asking you to lean into this moment and believe that his word that's quick and powerful will do something great in your life today. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 in the King James Version says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Take advantage of, redeem. Make sure you're not wasting time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. The contemporary English version, the same Verse says, these are evil times. How many could say yes or amen to that? These are evil times. Notice the wording here. So make every minute, every minute, make every minute count. John chapter four is a lengthy story about a woman who has five failed marriages. Now we don't know the details of these marriages whether it was an affair, whether or not it was just a breakdown in communication. We don't know if it was loss, if there was grief involved. We're not told of all of the details of, of these broken marriages. We just know that she is on number six and she hasn't fully committed to number six. Now we could call that maybe living together or, you know, I'll I'll hear people joke about it. Well, you got to try it out, Pastor Micah. And we, we don't know all of the reasons why she hasn't fully committed to number six, but Jesus is going to reference that. I won't read all of the verses, but I want to give you a few of the ones that I, I hope will provide some context to what I'm sharing with you today. 
The Bible says Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And there's a well that's there. And so I hope that symbolically this could reference a well for you. I hope when you see this, I hope that you could symbolically see a well in this story today. Jesus comes to this well and the Bible says in verse number six, he's tired. He's tired. There's a lot of things that could make you tired. Some people get tired physically. They're like, Pastor Micah, I'm exhausted. Have you ever been there? I'm, just, I'm so tired. But the Bible also talks about getting tired in your mind. In your mind. Hebrews references it. That you could become fatigued and faint in your mind. So in other words, some, some people are still going, going through the motions, going through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but up here, they're like, wow, I'm running on empty. We, we don't know all the dynamics and details. We just know the Bible says he's tired and so he sits down and it's about noon. This woman is going to come with the five failed marriages and non-committal on number six. She's going to come and they're going to have a conversation. Some of the conversation is found in verse 10 where Jesus tells her, and I want you to notice these words, if you knew. If you knew. In other words, you don't know. But if you did. If you knew, not fully aware, you don't fully, but, but if, if you did. If you did know, he's going to tell her that she could drink water. She would never thirst again. Verse 15, the woman said to Jesus, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband. This is where it gets juicy. Those of you that like juicy details. Some of us would call that drama. Moving on. He said, go call your husband and come back. And she replied, oh, I have no husband. Notice how sometimes we don't want to be like totally truthful. I don't have a husband. I'm in the singles group, <laughs> right? And he says, he says, you are right when you say you have no husband. But the fact is, notice that, the fact is, the truth is, the fact. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. So what you have just said is quite true. This is not my message today, but even people that maybe would find themselves in that non-committal state of life, and they're like, well, they're my significant other, you know, eh, they're, they're really my wife. Je Jesus doesn't recognize number six as a spouse in this story. Not my words, it's Jesus. He doesn't recognize it as a spouse. So maybe if you're there, I would encourage you. I would encourage, I've done weddings for free before. I know we have contracts and fees and whatever, but there have been people of the years like Pastor Micah, I just want to get right with God and I've, I'll do your wedding for free. We've bought people flowers. We've taken pictures for free, had a photographer come because I think marriage matters to God. When you read this story, Jesus said, the fact is, the fact is, the fact is. I think in my life, maybe in yours, you would say sometimes it's hard to hear the facts. Hard to hear the facts. Maybe you have heard this cliche or statement before. You need to face. How many ever heard that? You need to face the facts. I think in our generation that generally speaking, people don't always 
People don't always want to hear the facts. That we get our minds so made up about something that someone could say, well, what if there's more to the story? What, what if there's something you don't know, but we could get so locked into a snippet, a piece, that we don't fully engage in all of the facts. Jesus is going to tell her, the fact is, the fact is. Now, in this moment, I think there are some great takeaways. Because when you hear about the brokenness, the pain, when you hear about these relationships, you'd be like, wow, Micah, that's a, that's a downer a little bit so far what you're talking about. But, but the good news is, the good news is that our sin doesn't scare off the Savior. I mean, that's great news for all of us. That he's not like, well, if I would have talked to you on number two or three or four, then maybe, but, but you're so jacked up and you're so messed up. Have you ever felt like you went too far, God, too far for God? I, I've talked to people like that that was like, Pastor Mike, I'm too far gone for God. Like if, if you would have talked to me five or 10 years ago, but right now my life's a mess. I've had conversations with people like that. When I read these scriptures, I think that's great news. That this woman is on number six and her sin isn't scaring off the Savior. I think this story reminds us, you know, our church name, Storyside. There's three parts to our church name. The first is that God writes good stories. That if he picks up the pen, it doesn't matter what your past is, it can have a good ending. That's the first part of our name. The second part of our name is there's two sides to your story. There's your life pre-Jesus and there's your life post-Jesus. I think this story is, is speaking to even our church name. The third part of our name is there's a lot of people wouldn't believe a sermon, but they would believe your story. You should tell your story. These verses are going to tell us this, this, this woman leaves her bucket and goes back and tells the town and the whole town turns around. I think it's powerful to tell your story. You see, this happens in one day. One day. That it's not like Jesus says, hey, for the next 12 weeks, we're going to meet here every day at noon. Now, there's nothing wrong with the process and progress, but I just want you to see that her life changed in one day. One day. You see that water is not just for perfect people. Jesus is not waiting at the well. You know, sometimes people will say, Micah, when I get my act together, I'm going to do the God thing. When I get my life together, maybe I'll come to church. People tell me that. This woman doesn't have her act together. This woman doesn't have her life together. So the story shows us that water's for imperfect people. As we read these verses, the Bible says in verse 28, the woman leaves her water jar. She leaves her water jar. She goes back to the town and she says to the people, she goes back to the town, back to the town. That jumps out to me because not only am I born and raised in Canada, but a lot of my early years, my dad lived in small areas, places like Zealand and Juniper, 500 people, 700 people. As I got older, we took a church in Montreal, which was 3 million. So I feel like I've had both extremes. But, but when you live in a small town, when I was like in a second grade, third grade, fourth grade, living in Juniper, New Brunswick, Canada, 500 people, it was a mill that basically cared for that entire region. People would work at the mill. But as a kid, I remember a phone on the wall 
People had different rings and we shared a phone line with a bunch of people. It wasn't just our house. It was several different houses and you could pick up that phone at any given time and like wonders. I think I hear someone breathing on here. Like I think people, there was like one family, I don't want to say their name just in case, but, but it was like, we always knew they were eavesdropping. There's some things that come with small town that didn't come with Montreal and three million. There's something about a town. And I just want you to notice this woman goes back to a town. Back to a town. It, it, makes, me, it makes me wonder. I wonder what the town talk was like. Like this woman has a lot of issues. I wonder... I wonder if I would have been able to hear the town talk about her. Now I know it's 2021, but, but I just wonder if there was like, a, I'm sitting at the barber shop or I'm at the breakfast place or you're, you're, in, you're in the lunchroom or the locker room, if you would. You're, you just wonder what they're saying about this woman. Uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say stuff to me over the years about people who go through one breakup of marriage. And some of the things I hear, I hear from the person who done it. People will come to me and say, Pastor Micah, you know, eight years ago, 12 years ago, I had an affair and this is what happened and I, I hate myself. I've had people tell me they weren't even sure they wanted to live. Now, I don't know the details of all of our six relationships, I'm just telling you, I know the toll that it's taken on one. I've pastored people that have had two, three. I remember one lady telling me who had gone through three divorces, Pastor Micah, I hope people at church never find out. She said that. I hope people never find out. Now, I've always tried to pastor story side as if we would be a church that could handle the facts and still love you. I'm just talking to you about the emotions that could come with this lady for Five, I just wonder what the town talk was like. I wonder, I wonder if wives would tell their husbands, hey, wherever you're going today and whatever you're doing, if you see her, I don't want you talking to her. I wonder if they said something like that. I wonder if people said, wow, what a homewrecker. I don't know. I wonder if people would say, you want to talk about a lack of commitment? You know I wonder if they said things like tramp. I mean, that, that's a lot of relationships to be in and out of, is weaving around. I don't know all those details, but, but what we do know when you study the story is that this would not be a time this woman would come to get water. It'd be way too hot. No one would come. So even in my trips over there, when, 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 you, when you hear uh, the, the stories of people who would come to get water and how it would be a very busy place and you know times that people would talk about I've heard people say that they would carry water even miles now I, I know she comes at an inopportune time and we've shared that before I don't know if she's dodging the crowd I don't know if she's in shame I don't know if she doesn't want to deal with town talk I just want you to think about that part of the story that part of the story she comes back to a town Speaking of town talk, I heard the joke about Mildred. Mildred. Mildred was a church gossip. Mildred would keep sticking her nose in other members' lives and 
The joke is that Mildred made the mistake, however, when she accused George, a new church member, of being an alcoholic after she saw his pickup truck parked in front of the town's bar. She commented to George and anyone else that would listen that everyone who saw George's vehicle parked there would know exactly what George was doing. George, an introvert, a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just walked away. George didn't explain. George didn't defend himself. He didn't deny it. He said nothing. He just left. Later that evening, George quietly parked his pickup truck in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night. <laughs> you go, George. <laughs> Everyone say town talk. You know, over the years I've had people say, Pastor Micah, why is she singing? Pastor Micah, why, why is... Well, you know, you, you know, right? You know, five years ago, you know, t- I've, I've had people that have said that. Town talk. I think this is a part of the story that usually is never really referenced, but I think it could be a pretty key part of the story. She goes back to the town. We have no idea the fallout from the town. You, you know how, you know, I, I've witnessed it even in my own life, in my own life. I, I don't want to get too personal here, but but in my parents' divorce, in my sister's divorce, of course, in some of my friends and even more family, I'm blown away. I'd never been through it to this degree as, as how close it's hitting to my home now. People are like unfriending and unfollowing and people say stuff. And I have walked through things just the last few years that, that I've tried to be gracious over my 30 plus years of pastoring and ministry, but I have never had the grace that I have right now because after you live it, you start seeing this town talk can be a serious thing. And she's been through a lot of them. I wonder if people would look at it and see the fallout or the exes or the hurt or the pain or even the blame. It's your fault. We wouldn't even have the mess. We wouldn't have all of the bitterness at play if it wasn't for you. And one day with Jesus. One day with Jesus at a well. And she goes back to the town and hears her sermon. When I said earlier, a lot of people may not believe a sermon, they believe your story. Here's her story. Come see a man who told me everything I've done. That's it. Michaela, that's it. Andy, that's it. That's it. Pastor Clint, there's nothing else to her story. Come see a man who knows everything, not just something, not a little bit. He called me out on the first five and then he referenced six. You got to come see this man. Why, why would that be such a powerful story that would result in an entire town? Many, many more, many, many more, many, many more. How is that part of the story so powerful that an entire city has changed? Could it be that it was simply because God didn't give up on her even though he knew everything about her? Like some people would think today, you know, Pastor Micah, if you really knew, right? People say that. If you really knew what I'm looking at, if you really knew my past, people will say that to Pastor Micah, if you really knew the addiction, if you really knew the thoughts, if you really knew... 
Jesus switches it on her. Because our conversations are typically, if you really knew, and Jesus looks her in the eye and said, no, actually, it's if you really knew. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, he told her, and who it was that's sitting at this well right now, you would ask and I would give you water, you'd never thirst again. When we look at this story and we see in verse number 39, many Samaritans believe because of her testimony. And then we see again in verse number 41, many more believed. In our final few minutes together, here's what I want you to notice. God doesn't give up on broken people. I want you to see that. God doesn't give up on broken people. If today, like right now, you say, Pastor Micah, I'm broken. I'm in the room. I'm online. I am so broken. Maybe you're not on number six. Maybe it's not a well and a piece of wood. Maybe you're sitting on your couch. Maybe you're pulled over to the side of the road. Maybe you're in this room right now and you're thinking, if people only knew. I just want to remind you, God doesn't give up on broken people. God would show his grace and love to you even right now today. Another thing I see in this story is that God, God can use your story, use hers, God can use your story for his glory. Sometimes we would think, can he forgive the woman at the well? Yes. Can she save an entire town and city by telling her story? Uh. You know, some people will start saying, a woman like this, there's no way that God could use her. Yes, there's a way. So maybe that's an important takeaway for someone to see. That God can use your story. You say, Pastor Micah, my childhood. Pastor Micah, the abuse and the hurt. Pastor Micah, what I, God can use your story for his glory. But as we wrap this message up, what I want you to see is not so much the woman at the well. That's part of it. I, I, want you to see, I want you to see the fact that Jesus sat down. That's where I would like us to just to look at for the next five or 10 minutes, that Jesus sat down. I want you to see that when he sat down, he was tired. He was tired. Now, some of you, some of you would probably be honest enough to tell me, hey, when I'm tired, don't mess with me. Okay. Right? Some of you are maybe have someone in your house. Maybe it's a spouse, a child. You just know. When they're tired in their body, they're tired in their head. Right? Jesus sits down. He's tired. Now, I know you're not Jesus. I just want you to see the principle of the passage. And how many of us, if we were tired, 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 fatigued, tired, how many of us would not be in the mood for the woman who's messing around with number six? That if I seen her walking over here, it's like, not now. Just want you to see that part of the story. And I want you to understand, and hopefully it will help all of us today, to see that God's timing is not always like this perfect opportunity. Because you could start thinking that God is only in the perfect places of your life. Well, when I have the perfect job or when my family's got it all together, when everything is smooth and everything is right, then God's going to show up. Well, what if he shows up in this moment? Would you miss it? 
Would you miss this moment? You're tired between jobs. You're frustrated. I don't, I just want you to see the principle of it that sometimes we miss the significance of the seat. He comes to a well, he sits down, he's fatigued, he's tired, and this jacked up, messed up woman comes and one conversation, one, one conversation's gonna change a city. How awesome would it be if we could see Fredericktown changed? How great would it be if we could see Lexington changed? Or Belleville or Butler? or Ashland, or Galleon, or Crestline, or Mansfield, or Crestview. How great would it be, Dan, if we could see an entire town changed? Like turned around. Isn't that what we're trying to do? Many and many more. Say, Pastor Micah, how many people do you want to see get baptized? Many, many more. How many people do you want to see online give their life to Christ? Many, many more. How many more students do you want to see that have an opportunity at joy and peace and purpose and the plan of God? Many and many more. But that has to, if if we're saying yes, if we're saying I want that Micah, that happens when you and I are open to the significance of the seat. But these conversations aren't going to happen if we only do it when life is perfect. Perfect. Charlie Hainline, I was reading this story recently, Charlie Charlie Hainline, not a pastor, not on church staff. He is a member of a Presbyterian church in Fort Lauderdale, and he set a goal to reach 1,650 people in one year. He wanted to lead that many people to Jesus, 1,650 Charlie understood that on average that would be five people a day. You say, wow. To a lot of people, his life must have been great. He must have been like, whoa, I'm just so, I'm not going to share all of his story with you. I just want to share one part of his story with you. Charlie's daughter was kidnapped, killed. Her head was found floating in a canal When the murderer of Charlie's daughter was caught and convicted, Charlie went to the jail in order to witness to the man. Now, I know that's an extreme story. It's a true story. I know it's extreme, but I just want you to see that if you and I are always waiting for everything to line up perfectly for us to be the salt and light to a world that is in darkness, we might miss some opportunities. Because we would be like, I am just too tired for this. Right? Even in a season like this, I was thinking about it the other day, studying. I know in a season like this, it can be like, we're going to eat at home. Pastor Micah, let's work at home. Let's stay at home. Let's do church at home. Everything can be at home. There's several, but one of the main downsides is if all I do is stay at home, I may miss out on some of these seats of significance that could be used to change a city. And so I ask you today in closing, where are your chairs? What are the seats that you sit in? 
Where are your chairs? I just have a few around me, a kitchen chair or a dining chair, if you would. I I have a seat that that came out of a car because I I want you to think about the time you spend in your car. I I want you to see the company chair, the business chair, the couch, the gaming chair, the school chair, a locker room bench or seats there, the gym. I want you to see the competition chair, as I would call it, or even the camp chair. Pastor Micah, in the summer, I'm more of a campground kind of person. Or Pastor Micah, in like this, this chair here, this chair you could put in the back of your truck, throw it in an SUV, put it in your van, you open it up, you press the button, you open it up, you're like pulling it out, snap that, brace that. People will spend hours in this chair cheering on the soccer game, cheering on the little league. Where are your chairs? Maybe it's a chair like a restaurant or a cafe. In these final few minutes, I just want to give you a breakdown on average of our lives. Psychology Today said the average person spends 90,000 hours at work over their lifetime. The U.S. Census Bureau says each year the average American spends over 100 hours commuting. Deloitte's Shift Index Survey says 80% of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. Take this job and shove it, (laughs) right? 80%, that's a high number. You say, Pastor Micah, why does this even matter? I hope the light comes on for someone today because... If you have that mindset, if you sit down in your seat and you're like, I hate this job, what are the chances that you are even sensitive to whoever's going to walk down? I know maybe they're not on number six, but whatever problem they've got going on, they come to the lunchroom, they walk past the cubicle, they're on the line at the factory, and they don't want to live anymore. Maybe they're having suicidal thoughts, or maybe they're battling depression or discouragement or anxiety or mental issues, and they come by. What's the chances I miss the moment if I'm just caught in, I hate this job, and I hate my life, and I can't wait to get out of here, and I, could I miss the moment? I want to help you today. They say the U.S. labor reports, the study says the two things we care most about is salary and work-life balance. Salary and work-life balance. Now, that's okay, right? I would never stand up here and say that it shouldn't matter. I, I think those things are very important. But if all I think every time I sit in this seat, if all I think every time I sit in this seat is about salary, then I think I could miss some of the significance of this seat because I only see this as money and I never see it as ministry. I wanna help you today. They say studies say the average amount of family time is four to five hours per week. So the amount of time we're ever gonna sit at a dining room table, how was your day? You know, we, we, I just got it a couple years ago, but my kids now love it. It's funny because it's King James Version. So Micaiah's over there trying to read it like, henceforth thou wherefore, like dad, I don't even know what this means. So he tells him, I don't even know what this means. 
because I, I had one as a kid, but I got one of those bread of life things that we'll put on the table, and they're all different colored pieces, a little cardboard, and you take it out, and you read a verse. I got to figure out if they have one like Message Bible or NIV or something, because I don't know that Makai's getting much out of it, but four to five hours a week. That's not a lot of family time. And people could start saying, why is our kids, why millennials, why? Well, if we never have any quality time with family, that might be part of it. Watching TV is the leisure activity that occupies the most time in our day. So according to the American Time Use Survey, it's ATUS is their name, they say that on average people watch just shy of three hours of TV a day. Now, if you're like me and you say that's not true, I don't even turn it on some days, all that means is someone else is watching six. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Micaiah, my boy, he'll often tell me this. He'll say, Dad, I'm a gamer. How many's ever heard that before? And so my, he, he's like, I'm a gamer. The other day, like in the last week or two, we were actually trying to figure out a thing with the TV, and I don't understand all the cords, honestly, HDMI and red, yellow, and all this different stuff and what. I'm not good at all that stuff, but I was trying to figure it out for him. And he was like this. He's like this, dad, just let me do it. I'm a gamer. That's what he said. Just let me do it. I'm a gamer. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Casual gamers will play games seven hours to 15 hours a week. That's 780 hours annually. That, that's what they call a casual gamer. If you were to research it, you'll find there's a term they use that's called core gamers. These are the people who take it a little more serious, and they say there's 34 million, 34 million core gamers in America. Core gamers are going to play video games for an average of 22 hours per week. 22 hours per week. Now, the reason I want you to see that is because studies also say that people go to church on average of 17 times a year. So that every third or fourth week, they're going to go to church. Now, church is about 68 to 75 minutes. And if you take 70, uh, 17 times a year and you uh, would calculate that by that 68 to 75 minutes, you would find that number is going to come back around 22 hours a year. I just wanted you to see that, that it's so easy for us sometimes to play games 22 hours a week. And it's hard for us to go to church 22 hours, not a week, a year. Now, when I'm sharing this, when I'm sharing this, it also is tied into money on all of these things. They say video games set a December record of $7.7 billion. A full year of spending also set a new record in 2020, totaling $56.9 billion. You say, Mike, are you against games? No, I'm not against games. Ellie, Micaiah, they'll play it. They love it. They're friends. Carson, are you getting on? Braden, are you getting on? All I'm telling you is a couple of things when it comes to all of this stuff. And this is just permission, I think, to pastor a little bit in this moment that we shouldn't get caught up in all the church wants is your money. All the church wants. They're over there building kids ministry and doing internship programs and giving to missions and feeding downtown Mansfield and all they care about is your money. When in reality, there's a whole lot of other things that's getting your money that no one ever says anything about. On average... We spend two hours and six minutes per day on social media. That's according to the broadband search study. And they say that's trending up. Two hours, six minutes a day per day on social media. 
Facebook will upload 300 million photos today. They will have 8 billion videos watched today. YouTube will have 5 billion videos watched today. YouTube says that once you, when you get on to watch a video, usually that then turns into other videos and the average sitting is 40 minutes. Every second, 11 people use social media for the first time. The World Health Organization estimates the global lifespan of a person is 72 years old. So if you start social media at the age of 10, you would spend 3,462,390 minutes on social media in your lifetime. That's six years and eight months. Six years and eight months of your life you spend on social media. Now I know we're getting ready to pray, but I know we can say, I don't have time for a date day with my spouse. People tell me that. Anyone that's been around me has heard for years and years and years. Have you been on a date with your husband? People always ask, can you counsel? When's the last time you've been on a date? Four, four years. When's the last time you went on a vacation? 10 years. People tell me this. I don't have time for a date day. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time. <laughs> or do we? Because I just shared with you all kinds of time with this stuff. Where are your chairs? What are the seats that you sit in? When you look at all of these seats on the stage, do you see the significance of these seats? Jesus sits down and he talks to this woman on number six and he's going to say, if you knew. Yeah, but I'm on number six. I'm just paraphrasing. I'm on number six and I'm jacked up. Yes, but if you knew. If you knew my forgiveness, my grace, my mercy, my truth, my second chance. If you knew I could use you to change a city. That's the conversation. Maybe you've had that conversation with God and he changed your life. Maybe today on site or online, you need this conversation. You need Jesus to stop by and save you. Maybe for someone else, you need to see the significance of this seat. Because you're sitting in all of these seats and you're thinking that the only time God makes a move is on Sunday at 1045. Like God works on Sunday. Well, what if God wants to work in these other places, but I'm not sensitive to the seat. I'm at the gym, I'm sitting at the restaurant, and I am not sensitive to the seat. And God is saying, Micah, you are surrounded by people that are broken. You are surrounded by people that need me. I need you, Micah, to be salt and light. I need you to see the significance of the seats. Otherwise, we start thinking there's so much coincidence and chance. My date day is Friday. It usually almost every week involves, are you ready? This is a major date day. I mean, it's actually like super, when you talk about romantic and it's crazy. Every week we go to Sam's Club. <laughs> Sam's Club, every week, it's awesome. We usually get about eight cases of water because my kids only drink a quarter or a half and leave them sitting around the house. <laughs> Probably just my house. I get so frustrated. <laughs> I seriously, I almost did it the other day because there was like 10 of them. I was going to fill them all back up. I don't even care who drank from who. <laughs> going to fill them all back up, tighten the cap. They're still too young to understand the snap thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that has nothing to do with any. I need to pray. I need to pray. 
Don't you hate it when you get a water and you do that and it doesn't snap? I'm, I'm always like, okay, you're not getting me. You're not getting me. Wherever this came from, you know, all the conspiracy theories, like, no, 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 no. You're not getting me. Here, Makai, you drink it. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sort of. Uh, or Friday's my date day. So we usually do the Sam's Club and thing, and then we'll decide, you know, I like to go to Cracker Barrel, like the double meat breakfast. That's my go-to every time. Uh, my du- the double meat breakfast, I get sugar-cured ham. I get bacon a little bit crispy. I like my eggs just a little bit runny, sourdough toast. And I usually get hash brown casserole. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> or I like going to Wishmaker. I get their meatloaf sandwich. Their meatloaf sandwich is incredible. Um, or I like Wakano. So if I go to Wakano, I get steak and chicken, but I get my salad with yum yum. I don't like it with the ginger. Um, anyway, it has nothing to do with any. I'm just, I'm trying, trying to think what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If all I do, if all I do is sit in this seat for the rest of my life, I'm going to be 48 in a couple months. If all I do is sit in this seat for the rest of my life, can I have double meat breakfast? I'm going to get steak and chicken. Can I get yum yum on my salad? You know, if all I do, if all I do is sit in this seat, because it could be any of these seats. It can be the gym, can be your workplace, can be your school. If all I do is sit in this seat and I only think God works on Sunday, then I might miss a moment over here that God was like, you thought when you walked up and was like table for two and they're like scanning their little thing. They're like, take them to 18. You're like wandering over, wondering where table 18 is. And you sit down. And if I sit in all of these seats and I never think God's at work, my kids play sports. I love going, cheering on. If I, if I sit in these sports seats, if I sit in bleachers, if I, if I never think, if I never see the significance, if I never open up my heart to say, God, if you can use me on a Tuesday, use me on a Tuesday. If you're working on Friday, which I know that we know that deep down, because God could send that waiter or waitress over here that out of all of the people that was waiting, Pelkey, table of two, of all the people that was outside in these $99 rocking chairs, like, well, I should buy one, but they're too expensive. <laughs> I get so sidetracked in the second service. I don't even know why it happened. None of this stuff happens at nine o'clock. At nine o'clock, we are serious. We love Jesus. We get <laughs> you guys do this to me every time. Pardon me, it could be all these cowboy hats. I got a cowboy hat over here, cowboy hat over here. Like, yeah, let's go crazy. Like, uh, uh, focus, Micah. There's people logging offline like crazy. Like, we'll go watch a church who thinks Jesus serious. Like, okay, we got to pray. We got to pray. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? Stretch your hand towards me. I'll take it. Stretch your hand towards me. I was so mad last night. Last night, I've totally ruined this message. Uh, <laughs> everyone's gone from my house. My, my oldest daughter moved out. She wants freedom and liberty and don't want to listen to dad. Take me off Life 360. I'm an adult. Like, okay. Uh, she's moved out. My next daughter, I told you, they're at a college visit. Makai and Ellie went to a friend's house. I'm just there with our dog. I, so the, our dog's never slept. I don't even like that. I don't like, but he slept with me last night because everyone's gone. But here's the problem. I've never had to catch him. 
My kids always do that. I had to call Brooklyn and Trey to come to my house last night at nine o'clock because I couldn't catch that dog outside. I was so mad. I got a stick. I broke a stick off, a stick off of like Angel's, like she likes this little rose bush or something we have out there. I broke a stick off of it and I thought, if I catch this dog, <laughs> it had like prickles in it and everything. Oh, and it has nothing to do with anything. But I literally I had to call Brooklyn and Trey, like, you got to come help me. I can't catch this dog. My, and I know what my wife would say. I was only gone six hours. You couldn't even make six hours and like the house is falling apart. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but my point is, if I have one, my point is this. You and I really need to see the significance of our seats. Because every single one of these places Every single one of these places has broken people. And all of the broken people that I've met in my life have not always been on Sunday morning. I'm thankful for it. There could be someone here right now in the room or online that's like, I need Jesus to stop my God. I need Jesus to stop. And he would stop. I've watched it. I went to Bible college in 1990. It's my 31st year. I've watched Jesus stop for people. Maybe it wasn't number six, but they were so messed up. I've watched Jesus stop for people. And he could stop for someone right now. But I've also seen where he has stopped for people on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And I just don't want you and I to go to all of these places in our life and think that the only place that we ever find purpose is in a church building. I would submit to you that Jesus can show up in every area of your life and use you. And you don't have to have a sermon. Her story was, hey, he just told me everything about me and he didn't give up on me. And a whole town turned around. So I want to pray with you today if you would close your eyes. God, I pray for everyone today in the room and online that maybe they need you to stop. They would say this addiction, this anger, this attitude, I need Jesus to stop. Maybe someone it is their sin or shame. It's not like they're going to get water in the middle of the day in high heat, but, but they do have shame in their life. And they're like, I really wish that God could let me know that, that there's still hope for me. Maybe someone needs them to stop and let them know there's still a ministry. There's still a calling that I'm not just going to forgive the woman at the well, but I'm actually going to let her know you still have a purpose. Maybe someone needs you to stop for that. Maybe today, God, someone really needed you to remind them of the significance of their seats. That when they sit at their dining room table and see their son or daughter, that's significant. When they're doing homework with their child, that's significant. When they're playing pig or shooting hoops with, with their child, that's significant. That a date day is significant. That their job, it's significant. You didn't just die so we could pay our bills. I know that salary and this balance is important to everyone, but you didn't just die so we could pay bills. You died because you love the world. And I pray that someone would realize today when I sit in that seat, it's significant. Help me to be, help me to be sensitive to the people that you're placing around me every single day of my life. And if you can use me, if you can use me to smile, to hold a door open for someone, to say hello. 
If you can use me to be an agent of peace or joy, if you could use me to let someone know it's not over, then I'm asking you today on April 25th, I'm asking you, God, to use me. Use me. I want to pray for you today. I don't see anyone looking around, but if you're serious, if, if you would say, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray that I would see all of these seats differently because sometimes I don't see them clearly. I want you to pray for me that I would really believe that God wants to use me, that he's going to bring the people into my path every single day for me to be that salt and that light. If you're serious about it, if you're serious, I just want you to raise a hand right now and it's not just for me, it's for God as well. It's your sign of saying, God, use me. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the room. God, use me. Hands are still going up. God, I pray right now. I pray for every single person on site and online that needs you to stop. Would you stop for someone today? Would you save someone today? I pray for all of the people that's raising a hand to say, God, help me to see the significance of my seat. Help me to share my story. Help me to be the love of God in my daily life. I pray even right now as people are eyes closed, many of them hands raised or hands out before you, I pray God that you would let that spiritual light come on that you would let them see that spirituality is not just on Sunday, that you would let them see that you can use them in their everyday life. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Storyside, are you thankful for Jesus today? Can we stand all over the room? Can we sing it out to him? Thank you for seating us in heavenly places. Thank you for the seats that I sit in. Thank you for the significance of the seats that we sit in, God. Help us to be that salt and light, God. I am seated. I am seated. I am seated. I am seated, God. I pray blessings on our church today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You are my champion. Child.